Enraged at being nearly imprisoned by Captain Castigari, the Kraken exacts its revenge on Outpost 9, the nearest civilization. It destroys the harbor, laying waste to every single ship that's there, including the Ravenest naval ships. It severely damages the harbor itself, as well as the lower-lying buildings in the entirety of Outpost 9. This is a catastrophe on a, a fairly epic scale. The only things that remain completely untouched are the fort and the bluffs high above where the wealthy live. This will put enormous political pressure on the region and give the faithful of Semyana, who have been set up as sort of the boogeyman for the campaign, a major opportunity to gain a foothold into the hearts and minds of the people of Outpost 9. This is anatomy of a campaign. So what's on deck for the upcoming session? I just outlined the destruction that the Kraken has exacted upon Outpost 9, and that's something that the players are going to discover fairly early in the session. But beyond the aftermath of that destruction, there's a number of dangling threads that we have in the campaign, and it really represents the, the biggest challenge I'm having with the campaign overall as a DM. I sometimes can get carried away and i think this is an instance where i've done almost exactly that there's a number of things that are going on and it's going to take every trick in the book to try to wrangle this and give the campaign focus again we have riziki who is in prison and is the the former master of calda from the wizard's lyceum we have mig's ten fingers and the iron box that constantine is holding with some valuable object inside which the party has yet to open and investigate. We have the Balnexicon, which is a fell tome and the entire reason that Calda and Riziki came to Outpost 9. There's a lead that they haven't really followed or really explored over much. And we also have Luskin, who is the assassin who works for the faithful of Semyana, who Voss is a renegade of that cult, it's a most awkward way to say that possible. Voss is a renegade of the faithful of Semyana, and one of the other members of that cult, the assassin Luskin, is hanging around. He doesn't know that Voss has left. He doesn't know that she's sort of abandoned the faithful. Once he finds out, he'd be coming for her. And he stands as another major issue that they have. So the, there's these one, two, three, four major dangling threads, plus there's other opportunities that are just sitting out there. So as they come back to the outpost, the biggest challenge for me is trying to say, well, how am I going to keep them focused? How am I going to keep them mostly together as a party? I don't mind when they go off on tangents alone, as long as they are short, and I prefer when they're more inclusive. So it's a better gaming experience for everyone at the table if it's really where the majority of the party gets involved and everyone's got proper stage time. And I think the last almost exclusive role-playing session, a couple of sessions back, was a lot of fun, but it wasn't particularly balanced in giving everyone game time, right? It, it tended to favor three out of the five players, and there were two who were, were not really as engaged, and that's something that I really can't have happen again at least not to that degree 
and it certainly can't be the same two players, and that's the way this would be shaping up if things continue the way they have. So what's my plan? Or as I've been saying it, what's my plan of attack? The first thing that's going to happen is that I have planned is the surveying of the damage. It is possible that the actual first thing that'll happen is Constantine will open the iron box. Doesn't really matter. Either way, it's fine. They will either open the box and then go survey the damage, or they'll just go survey the damage. And the surveying of the damage will, will lead to the second thing. There'll be opportunities for them to help the people of Outpost 9. I think they've got to clear the harbor. There's going to be some boats that have a lot of cargo on them that have that are in the process of sinking. Many have already sunk, but there'll be the opportunity to get hired to help salvage some of those. So I'm going to have a couple of like broken ship maps available. So that if, you know, that becomes something the party wants to get involved in, they can do that. There is damage that's been done to the buildings in the outpost proper. And that's another thing that the party can opt to begin to help with. And I, I think the benefit of that would be to start to gain allies outside of the, the very nefarious and troubling connections that the party has emphasized to date, right? Riziki is a crazy old wizard who may have like flat out murdered a whole bunch of dudes in a, in a bar and is now in prison for it. Um, Mig's Ten Fingers, while he's a great NPC, you know, the guy represents the opportunity for a major villain in the future. And Luskin, of course, is a sociopathic assassin that at any moment is going to turn and try to kill our sorcerer. So it might be good to, to develop a couple of allies <laughs> who don't have the ability to turn around and outright murder you. So it'll be, it'll be curious to see how, how that plays out. That's honestly all I can absolutely control going into this session. It would be ridiculous to think that I'm going to really be able to set the stage and the tone for what they're doing moving forward. They're going to have to do that. The thing that I'm hoping comes about is... They choose not to go off on their own little sidetrack adventures, right? To say, well, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that, as opposed to hand wave some of that stuff and uh, really deal with party business. How is this group going to become a party? And as I'm talking this through, I think the thing that I need to do in the beginning is lay that out as an objective for the players, not the characters, for the players right at the start of the session to put that on them right and i think that's okay i think i guess i'll see how it goes and then i can report back to you good people in the next audio journal if i start off by saying okay here's the recap it's actually been a while since we played uh life got in the way and so we've we've had about a month since we were able to to game together what i'm hoping I can do in the beginning is give them a detailed recap to remind everyone of all the different things. It'll be probably a fairly long recap, but before I go into it, say, this is something that I, I think the the game needs to, needs in order to move forward. I'm not saying we have to completely solve it, but I don't want to be the only one who's worried about this. We're all in this together. Me, the dungeon master, you, the players. I think as you're telling the story with me, you guys need to start navigating towards how these characters are going to adventure together moving forward. I've never done that before. I've never been so blatant in something like that before. But I don't think there's a problem in doing that. I think it recognizes that this is a cooperative story that we're building. And it also accepts that I can't mandate it. And I, this is the one instance where I really can't. All I can do is add more catalysts and more creative options and right now, I think we have too many of those. I think it's at the point where 
I probably have gone overboard in giving them lots of cool options. And in so doing, have potentially paralyzed a number of people into not knowing, okay, what are we supposed to do? So what I need to do is make it clear to them that it's not about what you're supposed to do, and it is more about what you as a group want to pursue as a group. And I need you to do it as a group. Fine with small, short sidetracks, but I just don't want it to devolve into a series of mini games um, because what you have in the, you could say, well, that's fine as long as everyone's got their own mini game, and that would be fine. But what, what I have experienced is that you have various and sundry players, some who are more comfortable exploring a sidetrack and being the center of, of that moment and scene, and others who are very focused on, I don't want people sitting around while I'm role-playing. I, I want to have more people you know, involved. I want it to be the group moving forward. Neither, it's not a, it's not a condemnation of either one. Both are completely correct. It's a lot of fun to do the sidetrack stuff. It's a lot of fun to proceed as a group. I think it's more just getting everyone on the same page. And the dilemma is I already know that I've got players who will not, if others go off on a sidetrack, they won't go off on a sidetrack. They will hold because they, they, they want everyone to get back involved and that, and therein lies the imbalance. So to combat that, I'm going to take this approach where lay it out in the beginning to them, make it their problem as well as mine, a little bit of metagaming. And then give them a very in, in involved, or detailed recap of where the campaign had been to date so they're reminded of all the various and sundry things going on. Beyond that, I, I see that a couple of these um, dangling threads sort of fold in on themselves. For example, as a result of the Kraken attack, the fort's going to be in lockdown, which prevents the players from really dealing directly with the Riziki issue, as well as dealing directly with um, MIGs, right? Because they're both located in the fort. So the fort's in absolute lockdown. They would totally not be able to get in there. Certainly not on their own. So I guess it could be an option where they go to each other and say, look, as a group, we've got to break into the fort because we got to deal with, you know, we, we have to go see um, Riziki. We have to go see uh, MIGs. I don't think that's likely, but that, those would be threads that can't really be excessively pursued, at, at least at this juncture. The Balnexicon, I have a feeling, will just continue to be sidelined because until the Riziki situation is handled, my gut is that Caldo won't want to go find the Balnexicon because that feels exceedingly dangerous. Could be wrong. Could be completely wrong. I guess we'll find out. And then the last one, the one Luskin, there's a great temptation for me to have Luskin become active, but I'm I'm really looking to not do that. I don't want to uh, take away the interesting situation I've developed there. So to recap that, Luskin is not aware that Voss has abandoned the faithful of Semyana. So he thinks she's just another operative working a mission and he's waiting for orders because the people that were killed by Riziki are the ones that were supposed to give him his orders. And I've established him as a guy who's very powerful, very deadly, but he follows orders. So until he gets an order, he's not going to creatively act on his own. I think uh, the player behind Voss is assuming that is true to a ridiculous extreme. I think she thinks she can really manipulate this guy. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. He's not so stupid as to be wildly manipulated, so she'll have to be pretty canny to figure out exactly how to do that, but it should be an option, right? This is the stuff I think that separates someone from being a very mature game master to someone who is, um, you know, just like 
when I was much younger game mastering, these would be the things that would be very hard for me to navigate. Because Luskin is sort of this dangerous, cool villain of mine. Can I allow a character, a player character, to emasculate? Can I allow a player character to humiliate this guy? And the answer is, damn, hell yeah, I should be able to do that. That should totally be on the table for the story. So I have to be really careful not to make him proactively turn into something because I feel the need to move the drama along in the in the overall game. So I'm going to exert as much control as I can to really hold back. That doesn't mean I won't reintroduce Luskin. I may very well do that. I think it would be an interesting interaction and it would be in the, the vein of either she proactively seeks him out in order to run a play on him or he's watching her. And I think it would just be sort of subtle reminders that he's still there as opposed to anything else. I think the bulk of this session should really come down to dealing with the aftermath, figuring out, well, what does this mean? Because the larger story is that what this, what this will ultimately lead to is the faithful of Semyana, while they had never before been able to get a political foothold into the people of Outpost 9, now they can because they have true clerics. They're going to be able to, probably not in this session, although maybe, come in and really help the people. And as a result of that, when people see, wait a second, first of all, the, the case is strong. Samyana used to be an angel of the old god. So there's a connection there. He's helping. He's healing people. Maybe he's helping some of the businesses get themselves back in line because they can recover some of the ships. This is important stuff. As a society, if you had dealt with something that was this devastating and the people who were in charge and telling you, no, no, trust us, the enemy is the faithful of Samyana, proved completely impotent in the face of the challenges before them, this new powerful threat of a godlike being coming from the sea and destroy, practically destroying their town while the wealthy sit way above and out of the line of fire. In comes... What they had been told is the bad guys, except suddenly they're not acting like bad guys. Suddenly they're helping. They're presenting a way out. Absolutely. There would be people who start to say, wait a second, maybe we've got this wrong. And that will add to a lot of the central tension and drama of the overall campaign. At least that's what we hope. So the plan of attack is to deal with the immediate stuff in front of us. To before that, meaning we're going to show the damage, there's going to be opportunities for them to help ingrain themselves into the society, see how important Outpost 9 is to them, let them sort of portray their characters in relation to the Outpost and its people, um, but also ahead of that even to kind of uh, co-opt the player's help in getting the uh, the party into a better place where it's it's actually operating as a, a true party should, or at least moving in that direction and make sure that we're all in the same boat on that one. Beyond that, as I always say, be prepared to improvise. What do I think is going to work? What do I think is going to maybe not work or be challenging? I believe that showing the outpost at on the balls of its ass is going to work. I think seeing that these people are just trying to struggle to carve out an existence and that something that the players were involved in turned around and smacked these people in the chops and really sent them for a loop. I think that's going to be a powerful moment for them to see that the that their decisions 
have really affected uh, what's going on here. And it, it has this question of, well, what's going to be the deal with the Kraken moving forward? I, I have certainly have thoughts on that, but for now, it just becomes this other looming threat. The other thing it does is it removes a defensive posture and point of escape. It removes the ships. So the ships will be completely devastated. And the question becomes, well, what does that mean? It means that the commerce and the economy is really shut down. I know that's not necessarily what everyone wants to talk about in their role-playing game, but it can result in further scarcity. It prevents the Ravenest garrison from having this safety net of, well, if the armies of the faithful of Semyana come marching down on our city and we feel we're going to be overwhelmed, we can always get on our naval ships and leave. Well, that's gone. So it, 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 the devastation that they're going to witness at the beginning of this session is going to have far-reaching ramifications for them moving forward by not having a wonderful base of operations that has every possible resource yada 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 it can force them to through this scarcity to need to go forth to adventure and to find things which they can bring back which would be highly valuable uh, for for the community so it, it kind of could set the stage and how the players choose to react in this situation if they decide to take advantage or if they decide to be saviors and helpful. Um, the, this could be something that really sets the stage for the, for the campaign moving forward. What I think is going to be challenging is this idea of um, enlisting the player's help to, to turn this into more of a group to find ways to have the characters connect more than they have been um, in the past so that it, it becomes, well, what are these guys going to do? What could be a rally point that these players could all get behind so that it makes sense for them to continue to adventure together? That one feels like a bit of a gamble to me, though not much. I have a feeling it'll be successful, but I'm not 100% sure. I think in a situation like that, folks could potentially get defensive, so I'll have to be careful how I serve it up. It's absolutely not a criticism of them. If anything, I think I should have seen this in session zero. I always want to blame myself for things. But, you know, bottom line is we have these really robust characters. We, we spent time trying to find ways to connect them, and I think we've got to really start leaning into that in a more profound way. So that's the coming session. We have the aftermath of the Kraken attack as the main uh, centralizing theme for the session. We're going to have all these dangling storylines, which probably are going to be put on hold just by the situation before them, with the exception of Luskin, who's probably floating about the, the assassin. And we have this opportunity, I think, starting the party down the path of being a real cohesive unit and group with a purpose that's driving them to really work together. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing, throwing us a review, or sharing with your other gamer friends. You can follow me on Twitter at AnatomyCamp. Thanks for listening.